Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy? Happy, happy, happy. Welcome to the Up North Podcast. Uh, my name is Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company. And uh, and Kristen Lyerly and Kristen Lyerly is doing some OBGYN things tonight. And Pat, and Pat Kreitlow is uh, somewhere off in paradise. Uh, but I was going to do the show alone tonight because we're going to talk a lot about uh, local politics in Monaco. Um, this show is all going to be about kind of about power dynamics and uh, and power differentials. So, uh, in in terms of uh, uh, we, there's a uh, currently uh, I was uh, fighting for the last two days in Manaqua against my town board, against the Manaqua town board and uh, Oneida County, uh, an ongoing fight to get a beer garden for my tap room. Um, we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, that that's a power dynamic where where the the town board and the county can do basically whatever it wants and we're trying to figure out how to fight that uh, legally um we're also going to talk about the power dynamics of uh the judicial system uh <laughs> weirdly enough i'm getting sued by our local newspaper uh the lakeland times for defamation and uh and that lawsuit uh uh, we've de- deemed uh, my lawyers and I have deemed to be frivolous, uh, but the very act of filing a lawsuit is very expensive, and having to defend yourself is very expensive. So uh, uh, I that some people would call that type of a lawsuit a slap suit, a strategic lawsuit against public participation. So uh, in this show, first of all, I'm going to invite my lawyers to talk about uh, this suit. Uh, the lawyers that have helped me work on this suit in the last few years, uh, not the lawyers that are currently working on this suit because uh, they're, you know, and it's ongoing litigation. So these uh, other lawyers haven't been part of the suit for a while. And then we're going to talk about in the third segment uh, uh, to a nationally renowned slap lawsuit expert who understands, uh, you know, who, who sees uh, the judicial system being used uh, as a, uh, a tool of harassment throughout the country and throughout the world. So we're going to talk about that in general and why Wisconsin needs to have this, uh, what we call anti-slap legislation. So without further ado, uh, we're going to take a short break and we're going to invite my two fabulous uh, lawyers and friends uh, to the discussion right after this. Monaco Brewing Company is excited to partner with Equality Vines to create Choice Wine. Choice Wine comes in two choices, Rosé and Sauvignon Blanc. This wine was created to support women's reproductive rights after the Supreme Court rolled back Roe v. Wade in 2022 and caused chaos all over the country. For our Up North podcast listeners, go to choice.equalityvines.com and be sure to use the promo code Up North to get 10% off your next order. That's choice.equalityvines.com and use the promo code Up North. Remember my name, don't remember my shame, hope they got some good to say about me whenever they speak on my name, carry through assassination. Running rapid in this nation, I can't entertain the gossip for so uh, we're going to start right in, but I wanted to introduce you. I believe uh, Fred is coming on as well. I, I asked both of you to join me, and both of you said yes. Fred was my first attorney, who who he passed his work on to you uh, to do to do this work on the defamation suit. And so uh, uh, it would be great to kind of get get his interpretation of the early stages and your interpretation of the middle stages. Uh, but before we we start in on that, I just wanted to introduce officially uh, Doug Poland, um, who is a, a partner at the Madison branch of, of, uh, 
of uh, uh, Stafford Rosenbaum. Stafford Rosenbaum. Uh, he's uh, he's got years and years and years of litigation experience. I was so lucky to have him on my side for a while. He's also uh, very active in Law Forward. That's how I found him, which is a an organization in Wisconsin that's fighting for all of us uh, to try to get things like uh, uh, try to get Wisconsin uh, gerrymandering uh, removed. He's trying to fight against the fraudulent uh, fraudulent electors, doing doing God's work uh, for for all of us in Wisconsin. So thank you so much for joining us, Doug. Happy to be here, Kirk. Thanks. Great. So um, uh, I wanted to start and uh, say I introduced the show today to talk about the power power dynamics and how uh, folks with more power, uh, folks with, with an extreme amount of power can can hurt folks with less power uh, in, in, in lawsuits. Uh, and uh, and in frivolous lawsuits, especially, uh, and then what what happens in that situation is if somebody gets sued, um, sometimes you can't get a loan if you're if you're uh, if you're being sued because the bank is worried that you might lose and that you might not be able to cover your expenses. Sometimes you can't get credit, you can't get a loan. Uh, there's lots of bad things that happen just by f- somebody filing a lawsuit against you. Um, and so uh, I wanted to uh, talk in this segment about this defamation suit that the Lakeland Times has brought against me. It's the first time in Wisconsin history, I believe, that a newspaper has filed a defamation lawsuit against anyone else. Um, and then in the second, third segment, we're going to talk about slap, anti-slap legislation, strategic lawsuits against public participation with a foremost expert on that type of thing um, uh, later in, in the case. So, so Doug... Can you kind of introduce, because you're the lawyer and I'm, I'm the defendant. And by the way, this is ongoing litig- litigation, but Doug is not part of it anymore. And, uh, and we can talk about this freely. It's just our opinions uh, you know, being presented in a podcast. All this evidence can be used against me, and I'm, I'm okay if it does. Uh, so, Doug, can you bring us back into this? What happened in this lawsuit? What, lay the groundwork for us, and what do you th- whether or not you think this lawsuit has merit. Yeah, thanks, Kirk. Um, yeah, so to, to be clear, I, I did represent uh, Monaco Brewing Company and you in the case, and I, I don't anymore. So there isn't an attorney-client relationship here. Uh, that matters because nothing that we're discussing here uh, would be subject to a claim of attorney-client privilege anyway. So just the usual lawyer disclaimer stuff right off the bat. And, yeah. and everything I'd say is just, just my opinion. Um, so the, you know, Kirk, at the time we got involved, there was, there was a lawsuit that, uh, that had been filed. We picked up, like you said, after Fred, um, there had been, um, a complaint filed against you. There were a few, a few things that were alleged in this complaint that, um, that you were, you suppose you said that were claimed to have been, um, uh, defamatory. And there were three specific statements and, one of the statements that the complaint said that you had made on a Facebook page, and this is in the context of the time when you were running for, um, uh, for state assembly, a district 34. Um, and so you had posted on your campaign website, some, uh, some comments about, um, about Greg Walker and about the Lakeland times um, in response to some articles that, that he had run. Um, and so the you know, just generally the the complaint said well a couple of the things that you had said one of them you called him a crook one of them you called him a misogynist bully misogynistic bully um, and he and he said that those were defamatory and filed this lawsuit um, and so at the point in time where we got involved and there was a third statement as well but the point in time that we got involved um, we did what's filed file what's called a motion to dismiss and. What, what a motion to dismiss says is, is you look at the complaint, you look at the allegations that were made, and you assume that the allegations were true, right? Um, you really said those things, you assume they're true. The question is, is that enough to be able to sustain the lawsuit? In other words, is there legal merit to that lawsuit? And the reason we filed a motion to dismiss is we looked at all of the law that was out there governing defamation claims. And we thought it was very clear, based on the law, um, that, um, that that's come out of the courts, that um, that these kinds of statements that you had made, um, which have to be evaluated in in the context in which they're made, um, they simply didn't rise to the level of defamatory statements because the statements to be defamatory, they've got to be about um, uh, a, a demonstrably true fact. 
They can't just be hyperbole. They can't just be loose language. And clearly, when and you got to look at the whole context. And clearly, when you look at this context of a political campaign, that's you know we argued that's what you were doing. And let's, by let's the back way, up. Let's back yep. up and let's get that context exactly uh, for all the listeners. So the context of uh, me writing a Facebook post while running for assembly was we were in the middle of COVID, and uh, and the state legislature had just uh, had just sued Governor Evers. For um, uh, he tried to instill this, you know, this uh, safer at home kind of policy, the Badger, uh, you know, the build or Badger bounce back plan, you know, trying to keep everybody safe, kind of turning the dial for which types of businesses should open first as we're kind of trying to reopen our economy. Obviously, the last businesses to reopen were going to be bars and restaurants because that's where COVID spread most rapidly, uh, you know, in public. So uh, what was happening when when they when they when they sued successfully Evers, uh, Wisconsin became the Wild West uh, uh, because uh, all of a sudden we had county public health officials who often are, you know, kind of glorified nurses um, having to make their own decisions and policy on how to help protect people from COVID uh, without any guidance uh, really from the state health department because they had been hamstrung uh, by this uh, by this lawsuit. So we had in Oneida County, uh, we had a, a woman who was uh, our public health official, uh, Linda Conlon, who uh, had no help. She didn't have any staff. Uh, and all of a sudden, people were getting COVID left and right. She was trying to figure out how to tell the public who had been in the same areas as people that had gotten COVID how, how to go get tested to make sure that they weren't spreading it to other people. So what she did was people were getting it at bars and restaurants, as we can imagine, because bars and restaurants were opened up immediately when uh, Evers' uh, mandates were, were over, overturned. So what happened was suddenly bars and restaurants, oh, Linda Conlon would put out a public notice and say, okay, somebody has gotten COVID at this bar. So if you were at this bar between the hours of like, you know, two and seven, you know, PM, this is, you should probably get tested for COVID uh, because you may have been exposed. So all of a sudden in the Lakeland Times, we have an article that comes out that says that Linda Conlon, this poor public health official that's been thrown to the wolves with COVID, who doesn't really know what's going on, has uh, is practicing biological McCarthyism by naming naming the bars where people are getting COVID, naming the restaurants where people are getting COVID, and somehow putting a scarlet letter on those bars, uh, uh, you know, saying that somehow they're like an unhealthy place to be. So that to me, and that was that article was written by the Lakeland Times. It was uh, it was buttressed by Rob Swearingen, who was a past. Uh, uh, president of the Tavern League of Wisconsin. They have a vested interest of keeping bars and restaurants open. And then uh, the current president of the Tavern League of Wisconsin weighed in on this article as well. They all went after this poor county public health official for trying to do her job and pe keep people safe. In that context, while, while I was running against Rob Swearingen for the assembly, I suggested that there's, I said, there's a tale of three crooks. That was the name of my uh, name of my post. And the tale of three crooks meant these three uh, organizations and people are all spreading disinformation about uh, COVID. They're saying that people should be allowed to congregate in restaurants and bars when people were getting sick with COVID. And to me, that was disinformation. And to me, disinformation, and I think, you know, my, you know, Doug will confirm the term crook can mean someone who spreads lies or disinformation. He also was going after a, uh, a, a woman. And this was not the first time in, in my history of me living in Monaco that he had uh, publicly attacked uh, a woman. And he had also done that uh, with our chamber of commerce executives. So that's why I called him a misogynist. Obviously, these things are said in the heat of the battle, not necessarily think words you toss around all the time. But I just wanted to mention the context of of of, of how these words uh, were written. Yeah, that's incredibly important, Kirk, uh, because um, the, these, the statements, they've got to be evaluated in the context of, in which they're made. That's what the law of defamation requires. 
Um, and so when you look at that context, which you just explained very well and in depth, um, you know, we look at that and you look at how you said them and you're absolutely right. I mean, words like crook, you go to the dictionary, you look at the definitions or you just read some cases. We just look at cases from different courts where people have used the same term. And it's, it, it's the kind of term that's subject to a lot of different definitions. It was, it's, it's, it's crystal clear that you are not using that word in an objectively verifiable, you know, fact-driven way. You weren't suggesting they violated the criminal code and they'd done something different. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of thing that, um, that is not defamatory under the law. It's not, it's not a, a, a verifiable fact. You know, and when you think about it, think about, think about political campaigns. I mean, we've heard a lot of political campaigns. We're in the middle of a really hotly contested Wisconsin Supreme Court um, campaign right now, two weeks left. And for anyone who's seen the barbs that have been traded, the things that the candidates have said or that have been said about them, I should say, um, you know, you look at what you're accused of saying in this case is being defamatory, um, and it pales in comparison to things that are being said that are out there. We saw it last fall with a lot of the campaigns as well. Um, a lot of mudslinging, a lot of name calling, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate as it may be, it goes back a long, 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 long ways. It goes back to the Lincoln-Douglas debates. You know, it goes back hundreds of years. Um, and so there, there just is no, um, you know, the way that I see it, and this is my opinion, um, you know, the claims that were brought against you simply are not, you know, the two that we moved to dismiss, at least, you know, these are, these are not claims that have any legal merit. So remind the audience, uh, and I, I guess Fred must have not been able to join. He was, he was trying to get home from work at, to make this uh, as well. But what happened in the case uh, you, uh, luckily, uh, and, and luckily you've, uh, this is how good Doug and his his folks are. They found that an old insurance policy of mine actually covered uh, defamation cases, and so so uh, he was able to save me money. And bless his heart, he I, he saved me money by 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 finding an insurance by finding my insurance company and having them hire another attorney. So my insurance company's attorney is is running the show now, uh, and, and he went off. He he's off the case. But but what ha we had this case was not dismissed. Uh, in the early stages, uh, and you tried to dismiss it uh, again. Where, as as you know, where does it stand right now? Yeah, I, I actually don't know the current status of it, Kirk. I mean, at the point in time in which, uh, yeah, and and disclaimer: this is not legal advice. But the first thing anybody should ever do if they if they're sued, if they find themselves on the receiving end of a lawsuit, <laughs> is check any insurance policies they have and see if an insurer covers it. That's the very first thing you should do. Um, but I was I was I was happy to be able. We were happy to be able to find that for you, even if it meant that um, you know we we um, we sort of worked ourselves out of a job. Um, I know, the, I know. Um, that's how honest yeah. you are, Doug. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Uh, but that's what we do. We, we represent our clients. Um, so I don't know, Kirk. We had moved. We had there. There were a couple of amendments to the complaint. So there was an original complaint that was filed. Then there was a first amendment complaint that amended complaint that was filed, and we sought. We asked the judge to dismiss that. And before the judge could consider that, there was a second amended complaint that was filed, and we asked the judge to dismiss that. In that point in time, we were. Um, we were um, uh, replaced in the case with the, the counsel that the insurance company chose. So I don't know where the case actually stands right now. Okay. The, from what I've heard, the case uh, was not dismissed uh, based on um, a decision by the judge that he wanted a jury to decide uh, whether or not uh, uh, the publisher of a newspaper, uh, Greg Walker, uh, was an, in fact a public figure. Or not, and, and that, and that's that's a big deal. And can you explain why a public figure uh, is is somehow different than the average Joe in a defamation case? Well, typically, a defamation case, a public figure means that there's um, there's a, a standard that has to be met um, that uh, that actual malice figures into it. Um, and so, if they're not, a, if it's if there's no public figure involved, then it's a little bit more run of the mill case. For, but for example, now we've got this question. I, I don't know if you or your listeners are familiar with the lawsuit that Brett Favre filed. He filed a defamation lawsuit against um, against some news outlets that covered um, uh, a situation that he had in Mississippi, where he was accused of of steering some money um, that was supposed to go to, I think, welfare recipients, and it went instead to um, uh, to a program. Um, 
a sports program that his daughter participated in um, at a local university. The, the, Brett Favre, as a public figure, um, there's an actual malice element that comes into it. And so he's going to have to prove actual malice. That's a really, really, really high bar to overcome. Um, if a p- public figure isn't involved, then that's not not part of the equation. So if... And, and and hello, Fred just joined us. I want to introduce Fred. He's my friend. Uh, Fred uh, was my first lawyer on the case. Uh, uh, Fred is uh, from uh, central Wisconsin, uh, grew up in the same neck of the woods that I grew up. Uh, and and Fred is now Fred is now working in 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 uh, Las Vegas and is no longer a lawyer, but he really got me through the initial uh, stages of this case. And so thank you for joining us, Fred. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So um, we just talked about the different the the difference between uh, public figures and non-public figures. Uh, you know, having the large the high bar that uh, that is necessary to prove malice. Uh, Fred, can you give me your impression on whether or not you think Greg Walker is a public figure uh, in northern Wisconsin? Well, I, I mean, I think he's absolutely a public figure. He publishes, you know, the only newspapers in uh, north of Wausau until you get to Superior. I think he writes in them occasionally. Um, I think he's just generally well-known. He's known as the owner of uh, Lakeland Times and uh, was the other one, the Northwoods uh, River News. Northwoods River News, that's right. I think what's also interesting is that they pled he's a public figure. They pled he's the, you know, a successful publisher with a great newspaper that, you know, everybody reads. So I guess that was what I thought was most interesting from uh, from a legal perspective is it was kind of in the pleadings he was a public figure and that that was allowed to be not only pled, but then not argued as part of a motion to dismiss. Yeah. Hey, hey, Kirk, Kirk, one thing I was just going to say is, look, you know, our our motion to dismiss that we filed didn't wasn't even premised on the idea that there was this even heightened standard that had to be proved just under a regular standard. Um, you know, we, we argued that they lose. Um, so that you don't even need to go to the heightened standard. Certainly it's, it's something that could be argued as well, but, um, what's but the regular standard? The, oh, so, so the regular standard is that, that what, you know, I could call him a crook. I could call him a misogynist, but you have to prove in order for that to be defamatory, you have to prove that he actually is a crook in all, all the definitions of the word crook. Uh, well, or, not, or it's got to be what's called a provably false statement. In other words, he would have to show that what you were, the, the comments that you made were a provably false statement, right? I mean, it wasn't the matter of, of hyperbole. You weren't using it in a loose manner. You meant it in a specific way that could be you know, proved by, and, and, you know, it, it's got, it, it comes from a reasonable person standard, from an objective reasonable person standard, not just, you know, based on what, what he perceives and what he thinks. Um, and so if, if somebody, and I'm, I'm not, I'm going to be deliberately vague here and, and nonspecific, if somebody says, right, if um, Joe Blow says, I know that John Smith is a crook because he robbed a bank, you know, on, on June 6, 1973, like that's a demonstrably false statement if it's wrong, right? You can, you can prove or disprove that. That's an assertion of fact, right? The statements that you made were nothing like that at all. They were nothing like that. I wanted to follow up. So I, I think, you know, we've kind of spoken about, uh, you know, we, I think we all agree. And I mean, obviously you're, you've been my, both of you have been my attorneys and you're fighting uh, on my behalf to say that these, uh, this, this, you know, this lawsuit should be dismissed. But uh, in the in the course of uh, bringing a lawsuit without merit um, in your history, Doug, uh, how often does this happen? Uh, and how and is it, you know, how what's the percentage of times that lawsuits are brought uh, as is potentially if, if you think it's a meritless lawsuit, why do people bring meritless lawsuits? that they might not win. I mean, why, why would somebody want to do this in the first place? Well, so, so a couple things here, you know, first of all, um, the, you know, the legal system is set up in a way that people, and you said it at the outset, you know, whether it's an issue of control or money, but, but people who have money um, are able to get a leg up in the, in the legal system. Our legal system does not do a good job 
of protecting people from lawsuits that are brought by people who have more money and can simply spend more time. Um, we have a former president who's got, you know, who's, who's famous or infamous for his history of being willing to spend money on lawyers to file lawsuits, to use, you know, in an offensive way, um, to pay lawyers to try to muck up lawsuits and stop lawsuits against him. So people who have money can really um, manipulate things in the courts. Now, um, when, when, when cases are filed, you know, we talk about merit, you talk about use term meritless lawsuits. Claims, claims can be found not to have merit. Claims can be dismissed, but not necessarily be frivolous claims. Sometimes, you know, in a business context or even in the voting rights context, in which I found a number of, of, of lawsuits, sometimes you don't know if you're going to win or not. I mean, you, you might win, you might lose. Sometimes you decide you're going to bring claims there maybe a little bit um, maybe you figure that you've got, it's a bit of a reach, but you think that, um, that you, you've got at least some shot at winning. Um, those, kinds of, those kinds of lawsuits, even if they are dismissed, they're not frivolous. A frivolous case is one in which there is, you've got no reasonable basis um, under the facts of the law to bring them. Um, and can they be brought that way for the purpose of simply trying to, um, you know, trying to intimidate people or harass people? Sure, they can be. Um, and those are the kinds of, um, of claims where we will seek sanctions um, yeah. because these are, uh, these, are, these are just simply wholly unjustified lawsuits that are brought for improper purposes. Thanks, Doug. And Fred, we're going to go to a, a break pretty soon, but I wanted to get your take. Do you, why do you think this lawsuit was filed um, against me from your perspective after reading the complaint and trying to do doing work to defend me? I mean, it's just a bunch of small town, I mean, bullshit, quite frankly. <laughs> you guys are fighting and it's decided that that's where that fight was going to go. I, I mean, I don't know. It was really, I don't think it's a good look for the area, unfortunately. From, and that's not necessarily, uh, I mean, I don't think your fight between the two of you is not always a good look for the area either, but just not... But just, I mean, this certainly is not, I don't know. It's You think clearly, fights uh, should be settled in, in the court of law like this? Well, I, I think Facebook fights should stay on Facebook, probably. <laughs> and that's probably just the best place for a Facebook fight is, is there. Doesn't well, need to I go Facebook, somewhere else. I, I ditched Facebook four years ago. I just deleted it for just that reason <laughs> that Fred said. It's just like, you know what, I, there, I, there's too much discord and fighting already in my life. <laughs> Got it. Well, thank you guys. So the, I mean, the reason I brought you on tonight was just to kind of, I'm not a lawyer. It's hard for me to kind of go through the, the merits of, of this lawsuit or the, the, I guess the demerits of this lawsuit. Um, uh, but I, but I wanted to lay the groundwork for the next segment, which we'll be talking about, uh, you know, the, a broader issue in general, which is, which are strategic lawsuits uh, against public participation. And I didn't ask you to confirm or not whether this was a slap suit. You don't know the intentions of, of Greg Walker. We don't know the intentions of Greg Walker. Uh, but, but if this case is meritless and uh, if this case is kind of hard, uh, you know, destined to kind of languish but not necessarily uh, achieve you know, a win for him uh, necessarily, and we, we think that's not going to happen, then it, it seems to be frivolous and it seems to be, it could be construed to be a, 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 a measure of harassment or a lever of, of harassment. So um, thank you so much for joining me, guys. Uh, I appreciate you kind of helping my listeners understand uh, what this case is all about. And uh, I hope to, uh, I hope that you guys can uh, defend me in the future because you've done, done a, both done a wonderful job. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Kirk. Great to see you. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Believe it or not, this podcast takes a lot of work behind the scenes to make Kirk and company look like they know what they're doing. And a lot of the money that goes to pay our producers and editors comes from the sale of progressive beer. The Monaco Brewing Company sells progressive beer all throughout Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, and Washington, D.C. Never seen it? Well, that's likely because we've been banned across the land for being too political. To find where you can buy progressive beer, go to monocobrewingcompany.com and then click the retail location set. That's monocobrewingcompany.com and click retail location. I know it's strange, but my brain's gone really insane. And I'm off the chain, sipping on a fifth for the... Th I feel like slapping somebody today. Slapping somebody today.
Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. Uh, this is the third segment. We're recording it uh, early because uh, my esteemed guest tonight, David McKean, is on the East Coast, and he's actually doing more slap work, I believe, and introducing more great policy over there uh, during our show. So uh, let me introduce this uh, fellow properly, however. Uh, David McKean has been at the International Corporate Accountability Roundtable, uh, which is called ICAR, for over three years, leading work on establishing accountability regimes for corporate human rights abuses, protecting activists from corporate attacks like slap suits, which is the reason I found him today, and addressing forms of corporate capture of governments that limit accountability. Prior to joining ICAR, David led the Asia program at the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights uh, and practice civil rights law at Service Members Legal Defense Network. David, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. So um, we uh, just talked in the last segment about uh, about the need for uh, anti-slap legislation. Uh, I told you earlier when we were talking before the show, my brewing company, which is uh, a large progressive super PAC as well, is is being sued for defamation by a local right wing newspaper. Um, and uh, we talked in the last segment about uh, how a lot of that lawsuit is seemingly just meant to harass and, uh, you know, try to you know, harm my company and my uh, my 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 super PAC from being able to do the good work that it's trying to do. Um, let me ask you a question. Can you kind of define in your words what a slap uh, lawsuit is and then tell us why you became interested in doing the work to try to regulate these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a slap is a is basically a, a, an attack against somebody that's dressed up like a legitimate court action. And so it it finds its way into court. It's the the the, the venue for this attack is a courtroom, but it's not a legitimate lawsuit. This is not um, slaps are not lawsuits where the party bringing the lawsuit has a legitimate claim or a legitimate grievance that a court can address. Um, and usually the party the party bringing the suit knows that um and knows that there's not really a lawsuit here in the way that that we typically think of lawsuits um you know which have a, a rightful place in a democratic society you need courts to adjudicate real disputes between people or or entities and um and help resolve problems but that's not what this is slaps are um are cases that pretend to be legitimate lawsuits but where the real aim is to weaponize everything we like about a functioning court system and use that process to target somebody to get them to um, basically have to forfeit their constitutionally protected rights to freedom of speech or assembly or association. Um, and and it does that by filing a lawsuit and then forcing that person to have to go out and get a lawyer and and respond and you know, live in fear that they're going to be on the wrong side of a, you know, potentially large judgment um, and uh, and spend their time and resources fighting a lawsuit instead of their time and resources engaged in the activity that, you know, upset the other, you know, the, the party who filed this lawsuit and and um, decided that they wanted to use this tactic to silence them. Um, so let's let's yeah. let me jump in, though. I mean, the I mean, seemingly the real the real pain of these types of lawsuits is that they're probably not going to win, but, but, you know, I, I don't know how many law you've been in a lot of lawsuits. I've been, you know, I'm getting into more and more lawsuits. These things are not, these things are really expensive. Like lawyers charge hundreds of dollars an hour. If you, if you have to depose a few witnesses, that's, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. And this can go on for years. I mean, that's, that's what's happening here, right? I mean, people are suing other people, to really hurt them financially so they stop that's, being activists. Yeah. That's exactly the point. Yep, that's exactly the point. The point is that these are a, again, in a process that is uh, painful and supposed to be um, meant to drain their resources and um, and ultimately, it will not succeed. 
lawsuit will not succeed, but it it doesn't succeed in the court, but it succeeds in its goal of tying up the, the defendant um, in this lawsuit and making them spend a bunch of money that they likely do not have. Um, because as you said, you have to pay the costs of the lawyers up front before you can even get to the other side where um, where the lawsuit's dismissed. And so, um, yeah, the, the important thing to remember about a slap suit is it's the goal is not to win in a courtroom. They're not going to win in a courtroom. The goal is to drag the defendant through this process, make them spend time and money and and live in fear um, while the case is going on. And in the in, in the um, case of slap suits against um, environmental activists or human rights activists, the goal is also to isolate that person or that organization so that everybody else is scared that they might be sued as well and really disrupt uh, entire social movements. Got it. And that's how that's how we come in um, because we are you know committed to the um, kind of free and open space for um, social movements that are fighting for human rights and environmental rights and other things. And um, and if they if people can't do that without you know uh, without being free from fear that they won't be sued by large companies or or other big you know um, entities or wealthy people. Um, then they then they're less likely to speak out and we're less likely to make progress on the things that we're that we're pushing for. So, um, you know, that's why we view it as as an incredibly important um, part of the work that has to go on is to make sure that the the risks of these kinds of lawsuits is protected against as much as can be um, for both uh, court systems and for individuals. So the question next question is, um, are you part of kind of this round table that that might draft legislation uh, that states can pass that protect yeah. I mean what what's a good anti-slap legislation that's out there right now and what does it do how does it protect people from getting sued like this Yeah that's a that's a great question yeah absolutely um ICAR and, and a number of our other um organizational colleagues are part of a coalition called Protect the Protest and uh, any of your listeners I'd welcome their if they would like to learn more, can go to protecttheprotest.org, and it's a it's a coalition of organizations that are are working together to um, end, end slaps in the United States. And ICAR, in its work, um, does this does this um, is engaged in this effort around the world. Good slap legislation is pretty straightforward when you think about it. Since the when since the and the damage is caused, you know, in the process, the um, the thing that you want to do is create a process that allows others to raise this concern early and say that, you know, your honor, the court, what's happening to me is that I'm the victim of a slap and give the court a mechanism to pause the lawsuit and look into the question of whether the for lots of money has to get spent and time has to get spent by the defendant and the court to, um, to, to to you know get through the whole case on the merits before dismissing it and finding out that there's you know there really was no case there, um, and so there's a number of states that have um, amended their procedure so that and created a an anti-slap motion a slap motion that says if you're the defendant and you think that what is happening to you is a slap lawsuit, um, you can alert the court to that and the court will pause the case and will look at that question first, um, and then good slap lawsuit uh, good slap anti-slap legislation will say, you know, if the judge determines that this was a slap, the person who brought the slap has to pay all the legal fees of the right. other person. Um, so create a disincentive to filing a, a slap lawsuit. And at the same time, what some states have done is say, you know, but if the court finds that uh, the defendant knew this wasn't a slap, but they were just trying to stall the case by telling the court this was a slap, and then, you know, then they're on the hook for that. So, you know, use this as a mechanism you know, this is like a pull the emergency brake yeah. when needed, um, and um, and and defendants should have that right to you know to alert that to the court, and that's what a number of states have done. There's um, there's better and worse versions of this. California has a great anti-slap law. Texas has a great anti-slap law. The amazing thing about um, slap litigation and slap lawsuits is that it's not um, it's it's a basically a nonpartisan issue there. Right. There's, there's, there's power differentials between liberals and 
and conservatives, depending on where you are, there's probably more power in, for liberals in California, probably more powers for conservatives in Texas. Everyone wants to be protected. Yeah, I mean, what you want is a, is a functioning court system where the courts are reserved for um, the types of lawsuits that you and I would, you know, look at and think are legitimate lawsuits, the genuine disputes. It doesn't mean that the person who lost filed the slap suit. Lot, you know, every every lawsuit has a, a person who prevails and a person who doesn't. That's not what we're looking at. What we're looking at is the types of cases where the clear, you know, outcome is that you're silencing free speech or freedom of assembly, a constitutionally protected right. And you're doing that uh, through the courts when you when you know you wouldn't be able to do that in any other way. Uh, and uh, you know, when you when you prevent uh, companies or, or individuals from filing these types of suits, you free up more courtroom resources to deal yeah. with um, the vast majority of lawsuits that they're supposed to be dealing with. I'm going to talk about what we can do in Wisconsin to get this because we're one of 19 states that has no anti-slap legislation. But I wanted to hammer home with one example, like a concrete example. We're talking a little bit esoterically about these slap suits. What's a great example of a slap suit where there's a big power imbalance, some really rich corporation or individual sued, sued an activist who is probably doing the right thing and bringing, bringing to light some, some issue that we need to focus on and, uh, and kind of drain the resources and kind of just stomped all over this poor guy or person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, regardless of what you think of the, um, you know, of kind of the tactics of direct action protest. A lot of these come up in terms of in the extractive industry. Um, and in the when people were protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline, the company behind that pipeline um, decided that they were going to, um, despite the fact that, you know, most of that protest or all that was was lawful and, and in accordance with um, constitutionally protected rights to freedom of association and um and expression and assembly um that the the company behind that pipeline uh energy transfer partners sued a number of activists and organizations um for hundreds of millions of dollars uh wow. and um you know some of these people were uh indigenous land defenders where this was their land that they were you know seeking to protect that it's you know i think regardless of anybody's political beliefs protection of land is a pretty like dearly held right in yeah. the United States, uh, and um, and they found themselves on the wrong side of major lawsuits um, for just you know joining you know joining a protest uh, or speaking out against a, a, a you know a company or an action that they didn't think was was appropriate or, or shouldn't have been done there, and so that's that's the type of thing. And so, Got it. so those take years to litigate and cause incredible stress and damage and and um and ultimately of course you know um it's our expectation for the for the cases that are ongoing it's our expectation these will be um dismissed but it takes it takes quite a bit and uh yourself um on the wrong side of one of these lawsuits in a place where there is no um strong anti-slap law Great. So your organization and, uh, and that uh, consortium, it's protecttheprotest.org. I'm going to be looking into this and uh, hopefully joining joining the fight with you. Um, you know, work your work. There's 19 states in the country that don't have zero anti-slap legislation. It so happens Wisconsin is, is one of them. What can Wisconsinites do if they want to uh, if, if they've been through the ringer in a slap suit like this and just didn't know it was called a slap suit and want to want to kind of join the fight and in, in, in getting Wisconsin kind of joined into the rest of civilization here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the 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 great thing is that because so many states have kind of been experimenting with this over a period of time, there really is a pretty effective and standard model against slap lawsuits. Um, an organization called the Uniform Law Commission, which is a, a an organization that's not political at all. It's just you know lawyers and experts who get in the room and they they draft model legislation um, around given topics where there's gaps where they see gaps in states, um, and they have a model anti-slap law, um, and it's a it's a pretty good bill, and it does it operates kind of exactly the way that I've um, described. Um, that's a great place to start for any you know, any individual or state legislator or 
um, you know, state executive branch that um, wants to tackle this problem, but might not feel that they have the bandwidth to, you know, become an expert on on, on anti-slap laws because they are technical. Um, this is a pretty esoteric, you know, way, you know, thing to legislate around, and it it is um, tinkering with the way our court system works. So it is it is important to get it right, um, and that's a great place to start. Um, and um, you know, and it can be adopted or amended to, you know, conform to any kind of quirks that exist in Wisconsin state civil procedure. Um, we have a lot of quirks, was, David. We're, we're yeah. a very quirky place. We're, we're one of the six <laughs> states that, that weirdly elect a president and, uh, and we have the most gerrymandered state in the union. So not, not, not a lot of things get passed in our state, but I rest assured, uh, if you send me, if I'm going to go to, or if, I'm going to ask you after this to send me um, uh, the person that can get me that bill, and I will be contacting my legislators to try to get this thing passed and my governor to try to get this thing passed because I've become very interested in anti-slap yeah. legislation after being sued in a case like this. So um, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate this. Uh, we really need to hear. This is esoteric stuff, but, but I think it's important uh, for people to understand and uh, to raise awareness in Wisconsin. So thank you again for joining us. It's wonderful to be with you. It's esoteric, but if you find yourself in one of these things, it's incredibly uh, damaging and meaningful for, for you and something that we should all be worried about. I think everybody, regardless of, of politics or anything else, can understand that you shouldn't be silenced for, for speaking out against something that you care about just because there's a powerful interest who disagrees with you. That's, that's, not, a, that's not an American value. All right. Well, thank you, David. And we will uh, be back to end the show right after uh, this uh, brief pause. The Monaco Brewing Company is excited to partner with Rusty Dog Coffee to create woke nitro-infused coffee. Get woke, go broke. That's what they say, right? Au contraire, mon frere. We infuse this cold-filtered coffee with tiny nitrogen gas bubbles to make it go down extra smooth, all the while giving you the energy you need to keep speaking truth to power. For our Up North podcast listeners, go to monacobrewingcompany.shop and be sure to use the promo code UPNORTH to get 10% off your next order. That's monacobrewingcompany.shop and use the promo code UPNORTH. From senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside region Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Okay, everybody, we are back Uh, our, 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 uh our hero producer Tim is in a Starbucks right now in Chicago, and he's uh, he's he's making commercials and doing movies. And thank gosh we have him. Uh, but not every day we can uh, we can we can get all the music we need in between the segments. So uh, what I was gonna play for this last segment uh, because uh, it's it's been so meaningful to me. I even made a T-shirt kind of around it last week. Is uh, Bob Dylan Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. Um, I wanted to read the lyrics for you a little bit and tell you why it's important to me. It says, come senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway. Don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled the battle outside raging. We'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are changing. We all know, a lot of us know this song. It's, it was before my time, but who, who doesn't know Bob Dylan? Um, and the reason I wanted to read that and play it for you was because there's a reason you get sued for defamation. Um, you know, there's a reason the Lakeland Times is suing us for defamation. The Lakeland Times just came out with an article. Uh, the Lakeland Times is a really small newspaper in northern Wisconsin. Minocqua is about a population of like 8,000. Rhinelander is a little bit bigger. They have another paper there. Um, they just came out with a, a an op-ed that said um, that United States should should consider, you know, the red states could should consider seceding from our union. Uh, weeks before they came, when the Mar-a-Lago top secret classified documents were being uh, talked about, or they raided, or FBI raided uh, to get those documents back from Trump. They wrote an op-ed article that said the FBI should be abolished because they thought the FBI was 
being too hard on Donald Trump. Um, these things are outside of the fringe. Uh, these things are fringe. These things are outside of the mainstream, yet they're being published in a newspaper that, uh, you know, where, where, you know, people who are selling ads, you know, people who are selling cars are putting ads in the paper. You know, they're being written about, uh, and the next page over is, is a picture of your kid playing basketball uh, at the high school. So parents, you know, want to read the local newspaper because they want to see a picture of their kid playing basketball. Uh, so when you have fringe things being written in a paper owned, uh, you know, by a rich dude, he's not making money off of the paper. He's a landowner in town. This is like a hobby, but he gets to have a mouthpiece that if people who aren't paying attention uh, to politics or aren't that media literate read that, it's, it's poison. You know, it's poison and it's a uh, perpetuation of the poison that people get when they're watching Fox News. So, so somehow or another, somehow or another with, with Biden beer or, or, you know, or something that, uh, you know, we have a Facebook presence, uh, we were able just to, to be a counterbalance to some of the fringe stuff uh, I was able to. I wrote things in Facebook, and it really made the Lakeland Times mad to the point where they're suing me. They thought they could sue me um, and bleed me to death and make me stop, and that's not the case. Weirdly enough, I put a tap room up in Minocqua, the town and the county, similar power structures, they're, they're, they've been there forever. We all know small town Wisconsin. We all know small town America. The guy who owns the paper went to high school with the town board chairman who went to high school with the guy on the county board. And they run things because nobody else wants that job. Who wants to go to meetings every couple of weeks, town board meetings? Nobody really does. So you start saying, why are you not enforcing Governor Evers' mask mandate? You question the police chief. Why did you write a letter saying uh, you weren't going to enforce this mask mandate? Uh, was the letter written for you by somebody else? Like it was written for like 50 police chiefs uh, in, in Wisconsin as a political tactic? Yes, it was. So the voice somehow or another, and I'm not the only voice in Monaco, but I'm a, a pretty loud one now, a progressive voice. They don't like that. So they're blocking me from being able to build a beer garden i'm getting sued for defamation um it is the way it's it's what happened the times they are changing voices of truth can upset those that don't want the voices of truth to come out and i think that's a little bit of what's happening in the north woods right now uh and thanks for everybody for supporting me and the monaco brewing company because it's it's not so easy to be the lone voice sometimes. And I know a lot of you watching this today, uh, I've got my back, uh, and so I appreciate that. And with that, that's the show. That's the Up North podcast. I think I'll be taking a, a break. A lot of these lawsuits uh, are starting to become uh, stuff I got to focus on. So this might be the last podcast we have for a while. I'm going to take a little vacation and probably come back in, uh, in April or May. So until then, thanks for joining me at the cabin and we'll see you soon. <laughs>